It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat, and today is a very special day in the Lone Star State, not just because you have the Houston Astros potentially moving on to the American League Championship Series against the New York Yankees, not because of you have Alabama and Texas A&M one day closer, but it's my birthday! Happy birthday to me! I'm 26 years old today, and I'm very excited to be able to be doing something that I love to do, something that I studied in college, something that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do anymore, but I'm very lucky that I am given this opportunity to still continue my career on this path. So at 26, I just want to say thank you to all my listeners. Thank you to everyone who checks out all of our content at Sports Illustrated's Aggie Maven. If you want to check that out, you can always go to sportsillustrated.com, si.com slash T-A-M-U, or follow us on social media at Aggies SI. You want to follow me on social media? It's really simple. It's just at Mr. Cole Thompson. But more importantly, we are just a few days away in the final countdown before Texas A&M host the number one Alabama Crimson Tide. Many of you guys have known, if you've heard the show, that I am an alumni of the University of Alabama. So I always have a little bit of love to give to my former college, my former professors, my former team. But at the same time, it's hard not to like what Alabama is doing right now, especially on the offensive side of the ball. When you look at this Alabama high-tempo offense, one, they're really succeeding through the air. The run game is there, but it's not like they have this elite runner like we've seen in past years, especially last year with Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris, and Najee Harris was actually that third-string guy. It's not one of those, it's not a Derrick Henry type runner, it's not a Mark Ingram. This is a very balanced offense in the run game, but in the passing game, it's the same story, but every receiver is thriving with Tua Tagovailoa passing the ball. Now, I've compared these guys to the four horsemen of the apocalypse, I think you could go with the four horsemen of the Abamalypse, but either way, Devonta Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and Jalen Waddle have been dominant for the Crimson Tide offense this year. 18 total touchdowns of Tungavailoa's 23. And that defense is still playing very well. Even without a veteran leader such as Dylan Moses. Who tore his ACL right before the start of the season. And was expected to miss the rest of the year. With Alabama, Texas A&M about ready to go underway. There's plenty of storylines for both fans. Both fan bases to follow. There's a lot of people from the Lone Star State that actually end up going to Tuscaloosa for college for whatever reason it is. You would be shocked that when I was a senior there, and that was only three and a half years ago, the admission rate was almost 50% Alabama, and the closest after that was Texas. I believe it was at 19% of the whole college was from Texas. So there's going to be a lot of fans from both teams up at Kyle Field this week. So there's going to be plenty of storylines to follow as well. So this episode, we're going to break down some of the top storylines every fan needs to know, both if you are an Alabama fan and also if you are an A&M fan, because we can combine both in this story and we could talk a little bit about maybe some things we've seen in the past and maybe the history of these two programs. It's only been around six years 
But every single year, it seems like there's a rivalry slowly growing between Tuscaloosa and College Station. We already know that the Aggies have a big rivalry with AM, especially after that seven overtime game last year. Alabama, if they're able to beat them in their own backyard, this could start turning into a massive rivalry that folks, because of the admission rate at Tuscaloosa is, we can start seeing Texas A&M fans and Alabama fans going after each other all week moving forward. Let's break down that first storyline, and that is a fast-paced offense. Last season kind of showed a glimpse of what we've seen all season from this A&M team. When the Aggies traveled to Bryant-Denny Stadium last year, Kellen Mom was unable to get off to a fast start. He threw a pair of interceptions, and both of those were inside AM territory, which allowed Alabama to have short yardage to go ahead and score on both those plays. Once they were down, Alabama was able to continue to dominate AM, and they were never able to go back and even come close to regaining that lead that ultimately played in Alabama's favor, and they were able to pick up that victory. Tonga Vailoa would finish going 22 of 30 for 387 yards and four touchdowns. He'd also run one on the ground to give the team a 14 to 7 lead at the end of the first quarter. Mom would finish 16 of 33 for 196 yards with one touchdown pass that came on a, I believe it was a 15 yard pass to Jay Sternberger. Yeah, it was a 15 yard pass to Jay Sternberger. Tie the game up at 7 with 4.55 left in the first half. But here's the thing, and it's been the problem that happened all year. The run game has stalled for Texas A&M this season, and that's because they no longer have a guy like Travion Williams in the backfield. Well, surprisingly enough, the Alabama defensive line was able to hold the SEC league-leading rusher last year to 31 yards on eight carries. Mon did a majority of the work. He rushed for 98 yards on 18 carries, and he had a touchdown run to at least make the game kind of close. The final score was 45-23. to But now we're starting to see that similar approach this season with a and We've mentioned this before in the past, and we're not going to continue to harbor on it, but three times this year, the team could have gone down and scored early, and they didn't. And they all ended in Braden Man punts on opening drives. That also put them in a deeper hole than they already were in. Luckily, in a game like Arkansas, they were able to score in their next two drives to be able to start picking up the speed, picking up the momentum, and show that they were a dominant team. And they had the ability to be that scoring team. But when you can't do that against teams like Alabama, or against teams like Clemson, or even Auburn for that matter, those are things that are going to keep you right at the bottom of the rankings, if possibly out of the rankings completely. Because those teams are going to be able to start fast and continue to grow fast. And if they don't, that's a major problem for them. Alabama's ranked number one because they look like the number one team in the nation right now. You can't say that about most teams. On offense, they're thriving. On defense, they look sound. They look better on offense, though, than Clemson does. And that's the argument right now. I think that's the same argument you can make with Georgia or LSU. LSU looks great on offense, but their defense is struggling. Alabama looks fine across all cylinders. So if A&M can get off to a fast start, that's going to really throw the Crimson Tide off their game. And if you throw them off their game, 
that's going to lead to some errors, and that's going to lead to some points in favor of the opponents. So this week, that's going to be a major factor point. If A&M can start fast, like we know and we've seen them in the past do, watch out, Alabama. You could be in some serious trouble, especially if you're down against a Jimbo Fisher offense. Locked on Aggies would like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount up to $100. Remember that promo code is KICKOFF and you can receive up to a $100 discount for your next sporting event. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk two, maybe three more big storylines, all Alabama and A&M fancy to follow. Special birthday episode of me here on Locked on Aggies. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Back in with another segment of Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, talking all things Alabama. Talking a little bit about my birthday, guys. I gotta say, I love my birthday. I think everyone kind of does love their own birthday. So even though I'm doing a podcast, even though I'm working tonight, even though I'm working, getting ready for the Astros game as well, because, you know, as a huge Astros fan and also someone who is very close to the team, gotta see them win, gotta see them beat those A's. But we've had some storylines going into this Alabama and Texas A&M football game. This is going to be a very good game, and this is going to be a game that really could actually decide right now what kind of team is A&M so let's talk about that as a storyline that itself is one and I'm going to call it team chemistry A&M coming into the season was expected to be one of the top programs in college football and if they weren't going to be it this year they were setting up to become one of the best programs in the future when you look at a top five recruiting class that they finished with, and you've seen the production from some of these freshmen, this is a dangerous Texas A&M team in the future. But some people actually believe that they could contend right now with the likes of Alabama, with the likes of LSU, maybe even the likes of Georgia, for an SEC championship, a trip down to Atlanta, maybe a position in the college football playoff, And if everything went right, potentially a national championship. That's why they brought in a guy like Jimbo Fisher to do these kind of things. Because they truly believed in him. The problem was, this is the first time since 1975 that a team has faced the AP preseason top three teams. And it got harder when you now see the way LSU is playing. So they lose a game to Clemson, number one team in the nation at the time. But now they also lose a game to a no longer top 10. Could finish top 10. We don't know what's going to happen. But at the time, it was a top 10 Auburn team. They had a comeback. Almost completed the comeback. But they had a comeback when they were down to go up against this Auburn team. A&M is kind of in that loophole, middle ground, purgatory style in the SEC talk. I think that there's tiers in the SEC. You have your tier ones, and that's probably just Alabama right now. You have your tier two, which I would say is Georgia, LSU, and right now you could probably put Florida in the mix. 
and maybe Texas A&M and Auburn are right there. Then you have your tier threes. For sure, it's Florida, Texas A&M, and Auburn. Maybe you start considering Missouri the way that they've looked as that tier three team. Then you have, of course, your tier fours and tier fives. And, you know, your tier five is probably Vanderbilt. Your tier four is probably a mix of Kentucky, Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss, you have South Carolina, Mississippi State. Uh, Tier five, of course, is Tennessee. You got to throw them down there as well. But this A&M team, they look competitive. Maybe this is the game that they lose, but it's going to show LSU and Georgia not to sleep on this team. And that really starts with pressuring Tua Tagovailoa. If they're able to pressure the right now probably top two Heisman contender into making some mistakes, into maybe not throwing interceptions, but missing his targets in the red zone, settling for field goal attempts, which is an area we know Alabama has struggled in for a very long time. That's been the one Achilles heel of Nick Saban's career is finding a reliable, consistent kicker. I mean, when Adam Griffith's your most consistent kicker, that's not saying a lot because he's remembered for not his consistency. He was remembered for one play, and that was during his freshman year, and he never really bounced back, and that was a one-second-too-late kind of style. Well, yeah, we get the joke. It's, it's been a little played out. But when you look at those things, if they can pressure Tagovailoa and they can get him to sell for some field goals, maybe this is a team that just needs a couple touchdowns, a couple red zone scores. A big game from Kendrick Rogers, that big body receiver who struggled this far. They can do all those things. Maybe even if they don't win, it still shows, hey, this is a team not to sleep on. 9-3 and three is plausible, especially with the way Georgia's looked at times and the way LSU's defense has looked at times. But one way that can definitely start, and I'm going to go call it pound for pound. This is another storyline. And that is the pound-for-pound run game. When you look at Alabama right now, they have a very consistent style of a run game. And what I mean by that is they're not getting a ton of production on the ground, but they're making production with their running backs. I mean, Najee Harris for the year, who is their leading rusher, Only has 337 yards on 54 attempts and one rushing touchdown. He scored more through the air as a pass catcher than he has as a running back. Brian Robinson, kind of doing the same. Not as much as you really want from him. You know, when you look at these games, Najee Harris, his best rushing game this season against Southern Miss. 110 yards. Game after that, Ole Miss, 71 yards. South Carolina's defense held them to 36. AM lost their key running back in Jay Sean Corbin early on this season against Clemson, out with a hamstring injury. That now puts pressure on a freshman, Isaiah Spiller, and Jacob Cabote, who missed all of last season, to really step up, and neither has. We've seen the explosiveness, and the ability to have those breakaway runs with a guy like Spiller. He's rushed twice for over 100 yards. Now he's got to do it against an SEC opponent. Because the only game that's left against a non-SEC opponent is going to be UTSA in a couple weeks. And we know that they're going to be able to do it there fine. 
But the problem is, is that against these SEC defenses, they're going to need to step up. So although Tunga Vailoa and Kellen Mond could both really have decent games, I truly believe that the run game, which team finds a better consistency on the ground, especially in the red zone, that could actually, I think, decide who walks away with the win. Because in the end, that's what's keeping the clock rolling, is the running game. And if you can get your opponent to have to really rush their plays because of they don't have that good of a, they don't have that much of a clock left, that's a major factor in your column for victory. We're going to take one more final break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about the biggest storyline and probably the one that everyone is going to be talking about the most because of the history between the two signal callers, the front men, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, and the history that these two share. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Final segment of Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, talking all things Alabama, talking about two things that I'm really close to, if we're being completely honest. You know, college based in Tuscaloosa, Work based in College Station, covering both, really loving it. This is always a fun week for me, and this is always a week that I love bringing up because if I get to see both storylines, I get to see them from a professional and also a fandom perspective. Because if I get where both fan bases are probably coming from in this game, there's one storyline that we haven't spoken about yet that we probably should have, but I want to save the best for last. And that is. The Nick Saban-Jimbo Fisher reunion storyline. For those of you who don't know, in 2003, a mighty underdog called the LSU Tigers picked up a national championship victory over big game Bob Stoops and the Oklahoma Sooners. Jason White was at quarterback. And the team was victorious. Nick Saban, the now legendary head coach and soon-to-be Hall of Famer, was the head coach of the LSU Tigers at the time. Played two more seasons there before going off and testing the waters of the NFL with the Miami Dolphins. He also had an offense coordinator. A young, hotshot guy who knew exactly what he was talking about. A player's coach and a quarterback guru. And his name was Jimbo Fisher. Fisher was at the University of Cincinnati before joining Saban's staff down in the Bayou and... That really was his first big start on his way to a successful career as a head coach. A lot of what he learned was under the direction of Nick Saban. And Saban actually had a lot of nice things to say about his former protege this week on the teleconference call. Saban said he had a lot of respect for Jimbo. We are from that same area, so I knew who he was. Saban said during the teleconference call Wednesday afternoon, I was familiar with him in Cincinnati. I knew his play calling. Because of what he saw from him at Cincinnati, he brought him down to Baton Rouge and the two won a national title in 2003. And then from there, Fisher would join Bobby Bowden's staff at Florida State and eventually be promoted to the head coach. He spent nine seasons with the Seminoles out in Tallahassee, won three ACC championships, and brought home a national title with Jameis Winston at quarterback during the 2013 season over SEC rival Auburn. 
Now he's in College Station, so now the rivalry between him and Saban will only grow over time. Because before this matchup, the two have only faced twice before. Now, Fisher's lost both times. The first time came in a 24-7 loss when he was still at Florida State during the 2017 season, his final year actually at Florida State. One of the biggest problems in that game that was very highly anticipated by fans was DeAndre Francois, the quarterback at the time, would leave in the third quarter and did not return for pretty much the remainder of the season, if I'm not mistaken. And that really hurt Florida State the entire year. I think they finished 6-6, six and six, and that was his final year before he got his lucrative $75 million 10-year contract by Texas A&M. So now we saw a lot what happened last year. 45 to 23. And this is a trend that Nick Saban, although he is probably the greatest college coach of this era, and you could argue that him and Bear Bryant will go down in history as both the greatest college football coaches of all time with the number of championships that they've won. And I think that that could be the only reason why Saban is still coaching in Tuscaloosa. Not just because he loves it, but because of he's chasing the bear. And once he gets that title from the bear, who also coaches Texas A&M, believe it or not, for those of you younger whippersnappers out there who don't know about the Junction Boys, as soon as he gets that, I don't think there's anything left for him to do. And this could be the end of the era. But all time against former coaches, Nick Saban is 17-0. and And a majority of people who I've spoken to, and the majority of people who I know around the college football world believe that if there's one coach who can dethrone the master, it's Jimbo Fisher. Because of the way his offensive mind works, that could definitely be something that plays in his favor over a defensive mind such as Saban. Saban is a mastermind in his own way. But the offensive production is, I think, why Texas A&M was willing to pay to go get Jimbo Fisher. And maybe they don't do it this year, but they're in contention and they're getting closer each and every season to dethroning Alabama. Somebody's going to do it, whether it be Georgia, whether it maybe be Florida, whether it be LSU under Ed Orgeron, or if it's Texas A&M. Because I do think that those are the four main programs Maybe you throw Auburn in there if Bo Nix turns out to be an incredible quarterback of the future. But I believe those four programs are the four to watch for when looking to dethrone the Crimson Tide in the near future. We know that Kirby Smart, another disciple of Nick Saban, is a great recruiter, and we know that he is going to be able to bring in a lot of talent. But we also know that Jimbo Fisher is a fantastic recruiter. And he was able to win guys over, such as Bobby Brown, to stay in state instead of going to play in Tuscaloosa. So overall, that's going to be a nice storyline to watch. It's going to be interesting to see if maybe Saban has lost a step against a guy who he used to work with very closely. And if so, could this be the year that Alabama falls to Texas A&M once again? Because it's only happened once since the Crimson Tide and A&M met in Bryant-Denny Stadium during the inaugural season of Texas A&M joining the SEC. And they had a guy named Johnny Manziel under center. And he brought them back to win 
in what was one of the best quarterback games I've ever seen live with my own eyes by a player. That's a game that I will always remember because the way Johnny Manziel looked that day, you knew he was winning the Heisman as a freshman. I think everyone knew that. Alabama would, of course, go on to win the national championship that year, but this was the start to show that A&M was actually deserving of being a part of the powerhouse program that is the SEC. So now with Jimbo Fisher making all the calls, maybe, just maybe, it's finally time that we're going to see a protege take over against the master. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media. You can follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I always love hearing feedback. I always love hearing back from the fans. Make sure you check out the website, si.com slash T-A-M-U. That is where Locked on Aggies, every single show that you've ever missed, will be on that site right there. And you can also follow us on social media at Aggies SI and follow the Locked on Podcast Network. You can always just go on to LockedOnPodcast.com, listen to a ton of great content from multiple content creators out there from the college football level to the professional level to MLB. We're in postseason baseball, so you know we got that going on. The NBA is about to begin, so a team like the Rockets, who all my Aggie fans in Houston, get ready for them going on. And we also have, of course, NHL. We have a brand new channel with that starting up, so make sure you listen to them. This has been an episode of Locked on Aggies. We will see you Friday for prediction time. And remember, gig them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.